This is the Hofstra Radio Alumni Audio Yearbook. Today is August 10th, 2022. Please tell us your name and the years you were at Hofstra Radio. My name is Charlie Kadu, and I was at uh, Hofstra Radio from uh, the fall of 1974 until the spring of 1978. Okay. And what shows or programs did you work on at WVHC? It's funny. I had to think about that when you uh, asked me to take part in this. And by the way, I want to uh, congratulate you uh, just by the fact that you're uh, doing this interview with me means you you must have interviewed every other single person associated <laughs> with Hofstra Radio. So uh, congratulations on a job well done. Um, I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I took part in a, in a number of shows, uh, maybe not even as many as some other uh, people did. Uh, I just remembered earlier that I uh, was the host of a show called Footlights, uh, okay. which was a, uh, a Sunday series dedicated to Broadway and uh, motion picture music soundtracks original cast recordings and so on um i was also host of a, and producer of a program called focus these were all existing programs that i assumed um um hosting duties on okay um uh when when they became available uh, Focus had been a, uh, I think, a primarily an interview show uh, on any variety of topics, and I transitioned it, uh, being who I am, to a uh, to uh, effectively a, a, a comedy show, um, taking a topic and exploring it uh, through, uh, pre-existing recordings, be it, be it from a stand-up comedian, from a, uh, a comedy sketch troupe, from, uh, musical parodies, and then also throwing in some originally produced material as well. Um, so I kind of hijacked what it was intended to be and, uh, and turned it into a comedy show. Uh, I was also the Saturday host of a show called Odyssey. Uh, Steve Graziano was the Sunday host. It was an afternoon show. It was effectively, uh, I know a lot of your guests talk about the late night program changes. This was a, mm-hmm. uh, a weekend afternoon version of that. Um, I think it was a three-hour show from 1 until 4 p.m. And... Uh, when I started the show initially, my uh, engineer for the first hour was one of your previous guests, Karen Hamble Montalbano. Oh, yeah. So uh, those were programs I was involved in as a voice. And besides doing the standard staff announcing, um, I was involved in helping, uh, being the initial producer on a couple of shows. One was called The Ragtime Years. Mm-hmm. Um, was hosted by a guy named Galen Wilkes, uh, who was a, a um, uh, incredible collector of ragtime recordings and was incredibly knowledgeable. He was a walking encyclopedia of ragtime music. And, uh, and, and it was a really good idea. I had never heard or, or uh, was aware of a series like that. And after I graduated, I think the show came about in my senior year, Wayne Kurtzman took over the producing duties mm-hmm. uh, on the show. And besides playing recordings, uh, we went out into the field and we, we visited some uh, surviving Uh, ragtime artists or their uh, surviving spouses and were able to uh, have access to uh, very rare recordings uh, that he was able to put on the, on the show as well. So that was, that that was pretty good. There was another show called stigma that I was the initial producer of Hmm. uh, that was uh, centered around um, issues relating to the uh, to the disabled community um and uh, i think a gentleman named uh, robert aiello was the host of that 
And uh, again, it, it was something that he was passionate about. And uh, uh, I, I think that's probably the best thing when embarking on a specialized show, having a passion about the topic. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a, there's a, a, a theme running through these interviews that so many of us either brought a passion or we met up with someone who really brought something that was uh, um, very important to them and that rubbed off on, on other people and, and the rest of the community. But I want to double back to a second. You mentioned doing the, the, the show with the, the comedy uh, bits and so forth. And it just got me to thinking about uh, you know the medium that at that time, there were so many comedy records and LPs that were out. Today, we take it for granted with podcasts and streaming services and things like that. There's all kinds of ways to find these things. But back then, it was it was the comedy records. They were they were very popular and very influential, I think. Oh, absolutely. It was a, a, a medium in and unto itself, starting probably before the 1950s, but, but it certainly started coming into its own in the 1950s. Uh, yes, there, there, there was no internet. There was no other form of, of, of media to do that. So you would find original comedy albums on topics. I mean, The First Family by Vaughn Meter probably being mm-hmm. the prime example of that. Uh, but, but comedians at the time would, would uh, make their career, much like musical artists, on, on an album. Uh, uh, Bob Newhart yep. certainly came into the public view uh, uh, through his comedy recordings. Uh, Nichols and May, yeah. uh, I think the same thing. So yes, it was it was a very very healthy and 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 very robust um, uh, part of the recording industry. Um, so I I agree with you. Yeah, and uh, to to have that resource and to take advantage of it and put it into that show is a lot of fun. I wanted to get back to the. Uh, did you have any titles or positions at the station? I, uh, as I said, I started out as everybody did uh, at WVHC as a staff announcer, and um, and then you know, uh, uh, the longer you're there, the, the the more you might do. I I really had no um, desire to be involved in the the running of the station. Um, I was very happy to to leave that to to my colleagues who, uh, you know. Uh, chose that as the direction they wanted to go into. I was really involved on, I I wanted to be involved in the creative Mm -hmm. uh, more than anything. Um, I think that in my senior year, I was continuity director, uh, maybe because no one else wanted to (laughs) do it, uh, which involved taking all the press releases that came in and, um, putting together these binders right. of public service announcements uh, for the hosts to read during breaks, because of course, WVHC was a non-commercial station. So we wouldn't go to commercials. We'd go to public service announcements, uh, which is part of our servicing of the Hofstra and the surrounding Hempstead community. Uh so they do PSAs, and then we had something else called Community Calendar, mm-hmm. what an original name, uh, in which people would read announcements about things uh, coming up in the community, you know, different meetings, different uh, 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 groups. Uh, we got an awful lot of uh, press releases from a group called, uh, at the time, called uh, Parents Without Partners. Oh, yeah. And uh, so we were always in community calendar promoting when, when and where their meetings were going to be. To be. Uh, I, it occurs to me now that was probably the, the original dating service <laughs> uh, well before Match.com was p- p- part, Parents Without Partners. Um, and, and making sure that our, uh, the carts were all up to date and still valid as far as the pre-recorded PSAs that we would run. So that, 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 that was what I did. 
Okay. When you were on the air, did you have any nicknames or aliases, or did you just use your own name? I just used my own name. Uh, I, 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 I figured it was, uh, why, why change it? Okay. You know, I mean, let's face it. Uh, if, if, if Dan Ingram, who was a W, uh, HCH, mm-hmm. WVHC alumnus, if he uses his own name and he, he got as far as he did, why can't I? Sound reasoning. I like it. Um, let's take a look at your arrival at Hofstra radio, uh, two part question and answer however it makes sense to you. But, um, what first brought you to the radio station? And then if you could give us a sort of picture of what it was like or where it was, or maybe some of the folks that you met when you first arrived at the station. Well, I chose Hofstra university specifically because of WVHC. Hmm. Uh, it wasn't a, uh, a serendipitous, Oh, look, they have, they have this here. Uh, when I was, uh, in high school, uh, I, I went into our school library where they had, you know, a hundred different college catalogs, uh, and, and looked through most of them. And, uh, I applied to three universities. Uh, I think all three of which had some, some form of uh, communications department and, uh, probably a radio station and television production facilities. Uh, I applied to Emerson College in Boston and Brooklyn College. Mm-hmm. It was my fallback in New York and uh, and Hofstra. And uh, uh, I was accepted to all three. Uh, Hofstra, uh, God bless them, offered me the, the best financial aid package <laughs> um, of, of the three. And... Uh, and that is why I wound up at Hofstra. So probably within my first weeks, uh, you know, of, of, of uh, the, the uh, fall semester starting, uh, I went to the radio station and said, hey, I want to be a part of this. And uh, the first person I dealt with um, was Jerry Layton, mm-hmm. uh, who's still a friend. And... Um, he was the chief announcer that particular year. And uh, so I and, and, and several other people, he, he was uh, tutoring us and, you know, testing us, having us read things um, to see if we, uh, we, we had the chops to make it on air. And uh, luckily, he, he thought I did. And I will point out now, to whomever is listening to this, that um, in uh, the beginning of 2020, I was uh, diagnosed with a uh, with a tongue cancer and needed to have an operation. Yeah. Uh, and uh, because of the transplanted tissue that they uh, gave me, and all is well now, knock on wood. Uh, I uh, it, it did impact my voice. It, it gave me a little bit of a. Uh, uh, um, a lisp, mm-hmm. uh, which I did not have up until the beginning of 2020. So the voice you're hearing now is not the voice people were hearing if they tuned in WVHC during the, uh, the late seventies. Um, I describe my voice now as, uh, uh, Scooby-Doo, uh, without the, uh, without the diction, uh, <laughs> I'm, cer- I'm certain we would come up with other descriptors for that, but uh, this is your show, so we'll let you run with that. All right. Uh, so so anyway, I, I went to the station. I was able to get on there, learned how to keep a log, mm-hmm. which was uh, uh, er- everyone had drilled into them that the log was the most important document, uh, you know, since the Dead Sea Scrolls. Uh, that that, that uh, we have, we had to keep this 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 uh, accounting of, of what time something started, what time something ended, um, and um, probably nobody does that anymore. <laughs> but we had to do one, um, and then of course there were that was followed by engineering classes, uh, learning how to use the equipment down there in the basement of the little theater. Um, so we did all that, 
learn some of the rudimentary uh, skills of tape editing. And uh, really, it was the, the original multitasking was right. working at WVHC, especially if you were comboing on the board, uh, you know, having to uh, pull records, play records, uh, work in public service announcements, play things on carts, use the tape machines all at the same time. Um, and, uh, and most of us became pretty adept at it. Um, so that, that, that was it. I, 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 I didn't discover the radio station. I went there because of the radio station. When, uh, you first met with, with Jerry and you described him, uh, giving you sort of a, a test to read was just, just some, something sort of casual in the office. Was there a structure to it or was it sort of a, a tryout? Hey, you know, can you read this? How do you sound? And then, you know, come back, you know, next Tuesday or something like that. We were, we, we, uh, there were several of us. I don't remember who I was with. And we went into one of the empty rooms in Memorial hall adjacent to the uh, radio offices and he he he, uh, he he taught the class. He had you know he had copy, mm-hmm. and we would take turns reading it. And um, so I read the copy, and he said, "Oh, that's pretty good." And that that was the greatest thing I, I uh, could have ever heard at that time. Um, and uh, I don't remember how many classes there were. Uh, I'm sure there was a period where the uh, candidates to be staff announcers had to go down to the studios and observe Mm -hmm. the people who were doing it um, until eventually we were given a shift. Um, You know, whether it was a a two-hour, three-hour, four-hour shift to be the staff announcer um, at uh, at the station. That was primarily in the early hours a broadcast. I think we signed on at uh, uh, 6 p.m. in those days. Okay. I don't remember if we went till midnight to one. I think eventually that got extended to two, but the uh, um, we couldn't go much beyond that because, of course, the studios were used as a production facility. There, there wasn't a separate production area. Uh, you used the same equipment to do production that uh, that was being used for the broadcasting. Hmm. And the the broadcast schedule was a little bit longer on weekends. Ah, uh, yeah, you know, a lot of things changed after 1978. After I left, yeah, um, that um, I, I believe the hours were extended. Uh, that the uh, we signed on earlier and signed off later. And then, of course, there was the explosion where they built what what at the time was called Dempster Hall. Mm-hmm. and relocated the uh, the whole communications department, which had been communi- changed to communication arts. Um, so we had to do all our classes with our pinkies raised after that <laughs> uh, and, and, and relocated all the facilities. Um, I mean, I, I must give a tip of the hat to uh, uh, Bruce Avery and, mm-hmm. and other people who uh, took... Uh, direction of the station after uh, uh, the passing of Jeff and uh, through, through I guess, infusions of cash that came into Hofstra, again, after I left, uh, that, that the whole uh, university was transformed in many ways in terms of the uh, um, on-campus dormitories and student mm-hmm. services and uh, and new buildings being erected and uh, equipment being upgraded. Um, I mean, I'm happy for all of it. I'm 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 proud. Um, but uh, all the great things that happened, WVHC becoming a uh, you know the Long Island uh, uh, affiliate of uh, what what was it WCBS FM? Okay. Uh, or was it WINS? I don't even remember. And broadcasting the Islanders games and uh, any uh, number of achievements that could not have been done uh, if anyone associated with those organizations were to come down and look at our facilities 
in Memorial Hall and then in the, in the little theater. Um, they, they would have left laughing. Um, so I, I, again, I salute all, all the changes, the positive changes that were made. Um, as I commented to, to, uh, to my friend Steve the other day, I said, when, you know, when we were there, there were no waiting lists of people who wanted to work at the station. Right. Basically, anyone who came through the door was, uh, you know, evaluated and, 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 and given a chance to, uh, uh, to work with the station in some way. And I'm not saying that was uh, better. It was just different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's something to, I think to be said for for both situations. I've talked to many people who've who've worked at the station over the last 20 years, and uh, just the opportunities and, like you said, the equipment and the facilities. Uh, it's it's rather breathtaking. But there was also something to be said for well we don't necessarily have everything we'd like, but we're going to figure it out and we're going to, you know, put the show on, on, on the air. Anyway, we're going to, we're going to make the best of it and figure out the best way to do that. So I think, I think there's something to be said for both. Um, as you were saying. Absolutely. I, I, I want to double back to, uh, talking to the chief announcer, uh, Jerry, and he said, you know, you, you sound pretty good. And you took that as, as a nice, you know, compliment as a nice, uh, um, uh, reason to keep going. Do you remember anything else or, or any, uh, anything that they taught you in terms of presenting yourself on the air or pacing or diction or something that was, that was useful that you carried with you throughout the rest of your radio career? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I don't remember the specifics mm-hmm. of, of what I was taught. Um, probably because I, I, you know, integrated them so much um, that it, it became second nature, obviously. And again, I, 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 I'm sorry, I have to go back to my, my current voice to say, you know, yes, pacing and diction um, and pronunciation uh, and really using the punctuation as it's written on the page mm-hmm. um, is uh, are, are all important factors. Um, you know, you, you can do a lot with a comma when, when you're reading copy mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to a dash or, or, or uh, you know, an exclamation point as opposed to a period. Um, there, there is an art to, to reading copy um, which is again completely different from the art of speaking off the cuff, or at least speaking in a way that people think it's off the cuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all um, it's all part of what uh, an, an announcer has to do. Uh, you know, even if it came to, to the point of of uh, I'll go back to Dan Ingram, mm-hmm. who coincidentally, uh, and it was a really great coincidence, um, I had been in high school. They had some sort of a WABC AM radio, had some sort of a high school broadcaster competition. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, I don't remember if I was one or two people from my school who, who were selected to do that. And we had to write a, a piece of copy about our school. And then we had to go to WABC's offices in New York and Manhattan and where we would record it. And then they would do this on Sunday mornings. They, they would play some of them. Hmm. Wow. Uh, and then eventually they would, would choose a winner who won some sort of a scholarship. Um, so of course I and my family were listening on the Sunday morning when, when, uh, mine was being played and I listened to the others as well they were the competition after all Mm -hmm. and uh so I got to hear that so yes gee I could claim I I I was broadcast on WABC AM during the uh the height of their popularity but anyway what happened after that was they took us into the studio uh where Dan Ingram was doing his show so I got to stand in the studio with Dan Ingram watching him um 
broadcast, not having no idea he was a Hofstra right. uh, alumnus at the time, or I would have told him, hey, I'm going to Hofstra. Um, but that was a, 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 a great, great thing I will always remember. And, uh, of course, he was known for his, his one-liners yeah. uh, before and after uh, uh, songs. And he was a master of making his comments, his asides or jokes, sound spontaneous. Um, although I'm sure these are, are the same lines he probably had used many times in the past. Um, but the ability to take something and, and make it sound fresh and new and, and, and uh, thought of on the spot is a, uh, is a great talent to have. Um, and that, again, a, a, an announcer who puts some effort into doing that um, and succeeds at it will, will uh, uh, have an ability that, that you know, not everyone has. He certainly was a master, uh, regardless of knowing he had anything to do with Hofstra or not. Uh, I, a lot of us grew up listening to Dan Ingram and just, it, it, you just, you didn't, I'm sure there was so much hard work that went into it. I think that's what, what you're saying, but he made it sound so smooth and so natural. It's just, uh, it's rather amazing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so my next question was going to be, do you remember your first time getting on the air? I guess let me qualify that and say, do you remember your first time getting on the air at WVHC rather than WABC, I suppose? Ha, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't remember the first time specifically. Mm -hmm. uh, that was another thing we were taught in our announcer training, of course, were the hand signals. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we'd have to give the uh, the engineer as far as, okay, open our mic, cut the mic, you know, do this, do that, and signals they might give us, speed up, slow down. Um, so, no, I don't remember. Uh, I, I just remember I was really trying to do it by the book. Um, so I probably sounded a little, a little overly officious. Uh, for 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 what the task called for, mm -hmm. um, because I didn't want to mess anything up. Obviously, uh, I mean, I thought at the time, I thought that that a career in radio was one very possible path that I might follow, um, and I did do some stuff related to radio after leaving Hofstra. Um, so, you know, I wanted to work at this station the whole time I was there and get better and better. And, and uh, so that's why I didn't, you know, I, I, I was being on my best behavior. Um, so I was just being very, uh, you know, making sure the pronunciation, diction, all that was, was uh, spot on. I wasn't injecting a lot of personality to my staff announcing, but I think that's part of what the job called for anyway. Right. I was going to say, I mean, that's, you were required to do personality. You were reading news or reading a public service announcement. You're, you're doing a particular service and then the personality part comes a little bit later. Yeah. I mean, I was also part of the, uh, uh, the news department there. I, mm -hmm. uh, you know, my, my next step was of course doing, the uh, uh, the WVHC news broadcasts. Initially I, initially, I was working for a news director named Marion Berger, I believe her name was. Mm -hmm. uh, a woman named Jane became the news director after that. Um, so yes, that again was, was part of my... Uh, I, that's the evolu evolution, I guess, at, at WVHC from staff announcing, doing news, then you might go into sports, you might go into producing a program, you might go into hosting a music program. Of course, hosting the music program, that's where personality would come into play more mm -hmm. than, than in staff announcing. Um, so, again, to answer your question, no, I don't remember my, my first time uh, on, on the air. 
Well, do you remember being, were you, were you nervous? Were you excited? Were you anxious? And I guess to follow that up, when do you think you started to feel really comfortable on the air thinking, yeah, I can really do this. I'm going to stick with this. Um, I was nervous, excited, anxious, happy, mm-hmm. uh, all, all, all those things. Um, I, I think doing it often enough, uh, it becomes more of second nature mm-hmm. or stuff is being done unconsciously than consciously. Um, it's like, you know, it's like driving, uh, or, 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 uh, uh, riding a bicycle, some, something like that, that the, as, as, as you do it more, you become easier with it and, and, uh, uh, uh you know, don't have to think about it as much, uh, uh while you're doing it. So yeah, it, it does get easier, mm-hmm. uh, as time goes on. When do you think you felt comfortable let's say socially at the station, it wasn't a big staff, but I imagine there were different personalities, different people uh, to get to meet. When did you feel like, okay, this is a group of people that I want to spend time with and I'm going to be here as much as possible? Uh, Almost instantaneously, Mm -hmm. uh, everyone I met was a a wonderful, friendly, warm, engaging, um, inviting kind of person. I had uh, um, gone to a couple of meetings because I did live on campus. I had always wanted to live in the dorms if I went to college from, mm-hmm. from the time I was, uh, you know, a child. So uh, I was in the, uh, in, in the dorms. And I did go to a couple of these meetings for a couple of the fraternities on campus and uh, did, did, did not really find them to be that that you know, interesting, mm-hmm. uh, or, 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 or attracting. So I never pledged a fraternity, but, but my fraternity wound up being really, um, WVHC. And then also the, uh, the television wing, uh, I, I, you know, because I, I was a communication arts student. So I was of course also spending lots of time in the television production, side of things in the uh, in the basement of memorial hall mm-hmm. uh and it's funny there was not a lot of crossover uh between people who were were primarily there for to learn television production and there who those who were there primarily for radio um which was surprising so so uh um and that's probably why in my 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 senior year at uh um HTV, it was called. Mm-hmm. Um, I was made the uh, the audio director, <laughs> probably because of my association with the radio station. Um, but yeah, that that was my fraternity. The, that those were, were where my uh, my uh, uh, friends were uh, at the radio station. You know, we we you would go there uh, either to the studio or to the offices sometimes just to hang out right um uh just because it was uh, it was a a great gang of people uh let me mention i don't know how many of your other guests have uh, uh done this but i know that of course the legendary sweet olson gets mentioned mm-hmm. uh, uh frequently uh, and again he was a, a another you know warm friendly wonderful person uh, and a great broadcaster as well. Yeah. Uh, but he was an example of the, when I was at Hofstra, when I started there, uh, and through most of my time there, there was a, a significant percentage of uh, the radio station's on-air personalities uh, who were not Hofstra students and who... Uh, uh, I, I don't even know what their connection to Hofstra University was, whether they had even ever gone there or not. And I don't know how they got there and how they got shows, but they were well ensconced um, 
when I arrived, and, and, and most of them were still there when, uh, when I graduated. Uh, have, have other guests discussed that with you? You know, it, it's something that's come up, and I think it's something we were talking about earlier about, you know, these people who have a passion for a particular kind of music or a topic that they're bringing to a public uh, topic, a public affairs show. Um, and there are a variety of different ways. I, th- I think mostly it's just someone who's, who's in the community and is looking for uh, a way to broadcast that medium. And, and Jeff Krause, I think, was certainly open to bringing in quality and interesting people. And again, how they all got there, I don't know. That's a really good question. Uh, because I, I mean, my time, there were some, some really amazing broadcasters. Some of them are still working there. And, and I think some of it is sometimes from the community, people listen to a particular public affairs show or a a weekend show, and then they start coming to the station and they become part of the community as well. But I'm sure there's, there's a lot of, uh, uh, a a lot of questions and, and stories to, to follow from that. I'll have to follow that up. Yeah, I mean, besides Swede, mm-hmm. um, there there was a guy named Andy Cooper who okay. did a jazz show, um, and uh, there was another guy named Peter Sosna who did a folk show. There was another uh, folk show host, Les Bear, yeah, uh, who, who I, I'm still in touch with. He's a comedian now, yeah, uh, primarily working on Long Island. Um, there was a, uh, a woman who did a country and Western theme show, Alice Leroy. Yeah. Um, Elliot Lifson, whom I'm sure other people have mentioned. Yes. Um, I believe he did more kind of folk oriented programs, but, uh, but yes, there were, there were a number of hosts. There was also a, a gentleman named, I believe his name was James H. Daniels Jr. Yes. Uh, You've heard of, of, of him? Yes, I, sp- I spoke to George Musgrave, and he, he spoke about him. Yes, he, he did a show called The Essence of Blackness. Mm-hmm. And um, just as a, a, a crazy anecdote, uh, early in my time at, at the uh, station, I was the staff announcer on the night uh, during which he did his show. And uh, one night, he didn't show up. He just didn't walk through the door <laughs> and it was time for his show to go on. And the engineer was, you know, strictly an engineer. Um, and basically there was no one else there to do the show, but me. So I had to get on uh, and, 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 you know, hi, I'm Charlie Cato and you're listening to the essence of blackness. Um and, 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 and I, you know, talk about a trial by fire. I, uh, I, 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 I was virtually begging people to call in with requests right? because I didn't know what to play. I, w- I wound up going to whatever the popular, the, the popular music of the time was that I was familiar with, like playing a lot of Stevie Wonder and uh, Reba, not not uh, what was her name? She did the song "Band of Gold." Um, oh gosh! And uh, uh, Roberta Flack mm-hmm. and uh, jazz too, because he did go by the nickname "The Jazz Disciple," James uh, Daniels. And uh, uh, I, I I wound up getting through the show, um, so, you know, with a great sigh of relief <laughs> after <laughs> after it was done. And uh, it may have been one one the, the only show in Hofstra history where there may have been zero listeners. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm sure that wasn't the case, but uh, perhaps some confused listeners. Uh, maybe, maybe it was certainly. Uh, um, um, now nowadays, it would I'd be accused of uh, I don't know what miscasting or or or, or, or something. But that was, again, that was another thing uh, that I guess staff announcers had to do, that, that they had to step into the breach when there was a slight emergency like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it, you it, keep the, it, it was quite an experience. 
I'm sh- I'm sure, but you have to you have to keep the the station on the air. And it, it's, I think the Band of Gold song was that Frida Payne. Yes. Okay. Not Rita, Frida. Frida, yes. Hey, yes, that's great. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm glad you remembered that. Thank you. It, 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 it took a little dusting off the cobwebs there to, to come back with that one. Uh-huh. Um, you've, you've mentioned a lot of names, a lot of people who were uh, obviously very helpful and important to you at the time. We, we've talked a little bit about Jeff Krause. Can you talk about uh, getting to meet and getting to know Jeff uh, in your early days at the station? Uh, well, Jeff Krause, being the man in charge was a, uh, you know, a, 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 a man to be uh, respected and feared at the same time. Uh, and, and that was a, uh, uh, something that he played into. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he came across when, when uh, uh, teaching or, or, or executing his, his duties as the station manager as a no-nonsense person. Um, when you got to know him, he was much more, uh, uh, friendly and warm. Um, I know that he monitored the station, uh, whenever it was on the air, mm-hmm. that whatever he might be doing, he had a radio playing 88.7, um, all the time, uh, in case there was some sort of an emergency, um, and, uh, he had a great knowledge, uh, of radio. He had a great radio voice. He, uh, uh, I know that he did do some production work outside of, uh, the station in Hofstra, mm-hmm. uh, doing some, uh, I guess some advertising stuff, uh, I don't know what to what to say about him. All all the accolades, accolades or is it accolades? I hear some people say <laughs> these days uh, uh, that he's received. Uh, the fact that his name is still talked about, still associated with the radio station now by people who never even met him. Uh, he he he's he's legendary. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and to know him was a, uh, a privilege. Um, that's not, to, not to mean that we didn't, uh, have fun. Right. Uh, we had been working on some sort of a production in the TV studios that required a set that resembled a barn and they had some bales of hay there. And when that was done, a couple of us had the idea that we grabbed a bale of hay and these were real, these were actual bales of hay, not just some little tiny shoebox sized thing you get at Michael's Crafts or something. It was a real farm quality <laughs> bale of hay. And we, we lugged it upstairs and we put it in front of Jeffrey's desk and we put a note on it purportedly from, uh, uh, was it William Paley? Um, <laughs> Uh, before he uh, got into broadcasting, apparently he was associated with something called the Congress Cigar Company. Okay. Of course, we knew this because that's what Jeffrey taught in the history of broadcasting, radio broadcasting class. And we put a note from him saying, you know, Jeffrey, thanks for, for all your support. It was something you've actually, you know, here, we'd like you to try out our, uh, our, our latest pipe tobacco. <laughs> uh, because, of course, Jeffrey did smoke a pipe. He was also known for that. Right. Um, I, I forget what we called the, the, the quote tobacco, <clears throat> uh, but, uh, it was, uh, it was well received and that bale of hay stayed up there for the, for the entire year. Um, so there were, there were gags. I, I, I heard that Steve Graziano spoke to you about the, uh, uh, the incident in which, in which one of the staffers desks was carried and moved and put onto the roof right. of Memorial Hall. Um, um, I was, uh, I'll admit, I was an unindicted co-conspirator in that, uh, <laughs> in that incident. Uh, I, I, was, I think officially we have to condemn that, but at the same time, very, oh, yeah, very impressive. Very it, impressive. It was, it was the wrong thing to do. <laughs> but still very, uh, very, very creative. Yes. But we love you. 
<laughs> it's a great it's a great way of showing affection so correct correct look hey uh, you know you, you saw stuff like that done on the tv show the office mm-hmm. um so uh yes there were definitely antics that would go on uh around the station uh for for, for which jeffrey may have been a target and sometimes a uh a, an active participant <laughs> i can see that I can see that happening. If it's a good enough joke, I can imagine him participating. Truly. Um, um, the, these, these are wonderful stories, and, and I so appreciate your, your memories. And I, I try to tie, the, uh, tie things back together here because we have the benefit of hindsight. You have the benefit of these friendships and these relationships that have lasted uh, for decades. But... Uh, can you go back to your mindset at, at 18 years old, at, at starting at Hofstra Radio? Um, what did you hope WVHC would mean to you, and what did it become? Um, well, I certainly hoped it would be a place where I could learn the, uh, uh, the technical side and the ins and outs of uh, uh, radio broadcasting. Um, and then if, as I... I've mentioned a couple of times, of course, on the television side as well, uh, but that's not the focus of this conversation. Um, to have a chance to uh, uh, at least have the 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 concept that that I was being broadcast, uh, that my voice and my my words and thoughts were were somehow going out over the airwaves. Uh, and, and someone might be listening to them. Um, and, uh, you know, g- g- getting the background uh, that I felt I would need going forward um, with what, how, however my career uh, happened to play out. And, of course, it played out uh, in a much different way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that may be something for, for a different conversation. Um I will, I will give you this one, one story, hopefully not too long. Um, and it came around the, the, uh, the end of my uh, time at the radio station. I believe it was in the summer of, was it in the summer of 77 or 78 now? Now I'm confused. It was, it was the summer during which Elvis Presley died. Hmm, okay. Um, and maybe that was 1977. Um, but anyway, Elvis Presley passed away. And of course, in, in New York radio, a lot of the radio stations were playing a lot of Elvis Presley. And, um, I was doing the show Odyssey on the Saturday following his death. And I said that, uh, uh, Elvis Presley had died. And a lot of people were playing Elvis Presley songs, and uh, and and what struck me was that probably after this week they won't play Elvis Presley songs, and they they up until this point they hadn't regularly played Elvis Presley songs, right. uh, and they were only playing them you know now because he, he passed away, uh, and and I said so I hadn't planned to play any Elvis Presley songs on today's show. Uh, and that I wasn't going to. Uh, but instead, I played a, a song by Elton John, uh, written by Bernie Taupin, lyrics, mm-hmm. called, I believe the song was called Idol. And it appeared on the album Blue Moves. And if you listen to the lyrics, it really sounds like this song was written about Elvis Presley. Um. And after the song played, I read the lyrics on on the air, uh, and and that was my way of paying tribute to Elvis Presley. Hmm. And a few minutes later, the phone rang, and I picked up the phone, and it was someone. Uh, it was a gentleman who who said to me that that he he really felt he had to call in because he just heard what I had done regarding Elvis Presley. And he said that that was just the way he was feeling. And, 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 and he really got a lot out of it, out of what I had just done. And he, and he thanked me. Uh, 
for doing that. Uh, and I hung up the phone and it was like, wow, I, I really did reach someone that, that uh, um, doing this really can uh, uh, communicate with people and touch people. Uh, and, and I always remember receiving that, that phone call for, for what I had done. And, and I did it somewhat spur of the moment, but it, it just touched me. And it was always with me because that moment showed me what radio was still capable of doing. Um, and, and, and that kind of, you know, where, where I started and where I went, that, that kind of sums up that uh, um, question of yours. Wow. Wow, that's a, a, a something we've talked about a number of times is the connections that you make with with the audience or as an audience member or someone who's working together, and that's that's just a magical story anecdote. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's great. I, I remember it to this day. I I I I can't blame you. That's uh, that's that's fantastic stuff, and and you've made really such a such a great connection here through through your stories i feel like i feel like we've known each other for years and you're telling me stories that i already know i feel it just feels very comfortable so uh so kudos to you thank you uh so much for doing this and let me let me say to go all the way back to the beginning of our conversation it certainly wasn't by any design it took this long to get to talk to you i wish i wish it had been sooner but uh that's the vagaries of of the way our, our connections work but i'm so pleased that you took the time uh, to share your stories. And uh, this is, this has been really, really an honor. It's been fantastic. Thank you. I was a pleasure. So happy to have this opportunity to speak with you, Brian. And, and I, I, I uh, also tip, tip my hat to, uh, to this whole project that you're doing. Thank you. It's, uh, it's, uh, it, it's really come to mean a lot to me. Uh, I didn't know what it would be. I didn't know if anyone would respond. And the fact that now people who have been talking to each other for years are now talking about this and what they've heard and relating stories. Uh, you know, you mentioned talking to Steve and, and to others. That's that's just uh, it's better than I ever could have hoped for. So I'm, I'm so pleased this is uh, this is making these connections. It is uh, wonderful. And let me just say I'm, I'm uh dedicating my appearance here uh, today to Ellen. And that's all I'll say about that.